Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will finish his message from the book of Isaiah, chapter 49. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Happened when Paul got so close to God, he emerged with the voice that said, cry, cry to the Jewish people. A heart change had happened to him. A, pra- a change where he said in the next chapter, he said, my, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That's the voice in chapter, in chapter 40, verse 6 of Isaiah. The voice of the Holy Spirit. He hasn't changed. Like he did for Isaiah, like he did for Paul, that same voice inside of believers is saying, cry to the Jewish people. Like the prophet, we say in verse 6, look at verse 6 again, we go back to Isaiah 40, and we say, what do you want me to say? What shall I cry? What's my message? To say that the unbelief of the Jewish people is formidable is an understatement. It's an understatement. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to go to them? What's the message that we're going to... You know, everybody always comes to me and they say, tell me the magic formula. What do I need to say? Because I obviously don't have it by the response. And, and uh, I tell them, I say, there is no magic formula. There isn't. Because it's the Spirit of God who gives the words at the time when you're talking to the lost. And so we have to become like Joseph. There's a beautiful picture of Joseph in Genesis 49 on Jacob's deathbed when he's going through all of his, his sons and some of them were pretty painful for jo- poor Jacob to have to go through and consider again, like Simeon and Levi. He says, oh, I don't want to even get close to you. And he starts off with the one Reuben who uh, slept with his concubine. That's a good starter. Anyway, he, he, and he, he gets to 22. When he gets to Joseph, it's a beautiful picture. Look at it, Genesis 49, 22. He says there, Joseph is a fruitful bough. What a wonderful description. A fruitful vine. He just keeps on, keeps on having more and more fruit. Every, every place Joseph goes, there's the fruit. There's the fruit of his yielded life. Joseph, we see him there in Potiphar's house. He's bearing fruit. He's, we see him in the prisoner taking over the prison. He's bearing fruit. We see him over all of Egypt. He's bearing fruit. He was in the home of Jacob before he even went down there. He's bearing fruit. Now he's nurturing. He's bearing fruit. And so he says he's a fruitful bough. Even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. And look what it says. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. But his bow, bow and arrow, his bow abode in strength. Why? And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, even by the God of thy father, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breast and of the womb. What a picture. What a marvelous picture is here. Here can you see Joseph. He's got his bow. He's just a little fellow, Joseph. He can, the bow is bigger than him. And he takes the bow in every stage of his life and he, 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 he tries to pull it back as best he can and to aim it, but he's too small. He's too little for the bow. He can't do it. He's too weak to pull that bow back. He can't aim. And so God says, 
that's okay, little guy. That's okay, little fella. He said, just stand there. Do the best he can. Draw that bow back and aim. Just, 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 just hold it right there. And he says, and as you hold it, you get this picture? God says, here come my arms over your arms. Here come my hands on your hands. He says, and pull, Joseph, and I'll pull with you. Hold it, Joseph, and I'll hold it with you. And together, they hit the, they hit the mark. They were accurate. And uh, don't ask me about the theology of this because I don't know. But in Luke chapter 1, verse 15, it says, And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. That's just what it says about John the Baptist. But then it says, in consequence of that, the next verse says, And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. How can he turn all those children of Israel to the Lord their God? Because he was filled with the Holy Ghost. That's it. So what did the voice say to the prophet in verse, in, in, in verse 640? He said, My message, the message that you are to say is that all flesh is, all flesh is grass, and all the goodness thereof, goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. What's the prophet's message? Mortality. The mortality of man. The perishability of man. But the eternity of the Word of God. The reliability of the Word of God. The Word of our God shall stand forever. You won't, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. Rest on that Word. Rely on that Word. What eternal Word is that? What is the Word? What is the Word that, that of our God that shall stand forever? What's the message to bring to the Jewish people? God said, I'm glad you asked. Verse 9. O Zion that bringeth good tidings. Good news. Get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem that bringeth good tidings. Lift up thy voice with strength. Don't be afraid. He said, lift it up. Don't be afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, three-word message. Behold your God. That's it. The message is so simple. Behold your God. The Lord Jesus Christ is God. That's the message. Pilate said, behold the man. The witnesses to the, to the Jewish people say, behold your God. And it, that, is the large, that is the biggest hurdle for a Jewish person to get over. The deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did John the Baptist say? John 1.34. I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. That's what he said. That's the message. That's a wonderful thing. He says to us, get thee. Get thee. Just go. You know, the hardest thing of going to, to, to the Jewish people is just going. Just going because it's intimidating. But God says, go, go, and bring good news. It's, you know, it's very good news. You know, we have very good news. What's our news? Our news is that God has made it, well, we, read, we just sung about it. Uh, what did he say? Death, our God has been the death of death. Death of death and hell's destruction. Our God has destroyed hell for us. Our God has made it so that we'll be saved from hell. Our God has adopted us into his family. Our God is going to make it so we can live forever. But he says in verse 12, he says, he says he's coming again with a strong hand, with power and great glory. His reward is with him. His reward is with him. That's for us. The reward also is going to reward us for going to his people. Even though he's so powerful, and we see him in verse 11, like the song was, his eyes on the sparrow, so tender, he comes to feed his flock. He's a shepherd. 
It says, it says in, in, in Psalm 80, verse 1, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock. And what did he say in John 10? He said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But it says here, it says, He shall gather the lambs with his arm, not an angel's arm, his arm, carry them in his bosom, so that the vulnerable are closest to him and gently lead his flock. You know, what a picture we have of the shepherd there. One arm, he's gathering the lambs. The other arm, he's holding them. And all the while he's walking, he's turning behind to make sure that they're all following him. That's our God. He cares for, our, he cares for us. He cares for his flock. He takes particular care of those who cannot help themselves. He takes particular care of the weak, of the vulnerable, of the sorrowful, of the young converts, of the weak believers, of the hurting. He takes particular care. But you say, it's hard to work with Jewish people. Tell me about it. It it takes a long time, and how am I going to have the strength to bring the gospel to the Jewish people? Well, God has something to say. So glad you asked. He says, first of all, in verse 26, he says, take a look at the stars. And then he says in verse 28, he says, don't you know, haven't you heard, this is, it, sounds, it sounds like a Jewish mother, don't you know, haven't you heard that God doesn't get tired? He says he doesn't need 15-minute break for every two hours of work. He doesn't have to take a vacation. He doesn't need a two-week vacation every year. And then he says, he says, he says, he says now, if we sign up for God's program, he'll use us. He'll use us to reach the Jewish people because it's a message of life that he wants to. But you know, there's a very interesting thing. I don't know if you've ever thought of uh, 1 Corinthians 1.27, which you're familiar with, 28.29. I'm going to read it to you. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world. Keep that in mind. Foolish. To confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak. Keep that in mind. The weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And base things of the world. Base. And things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Boy, such a job posting that God has, right? He's a, God says, he says, I'm looking for a few, not like the Marine Corps, I'm looking for a few who are foolish, weak, base, and despised. Anybody want to sign up? <laughs> Do you qualify? <laughs> He'll interview you. <laughs> He's a, that's why. That's what he. That, that, that's who he's looking for. So no flesh can glory in his presence. So that he'll get all the glory. There won't be any bragging. The only bragging that'll be going on is of God, and what a great God He is. Now he says, okay. Now, now when you read this, there's an urgency. There's an urgency. He says, cry, an urgency to get the gospel to the lost, especially the Jewish people. It says, David said, the king's business requires haste. In in uh, in Samuel. It's interesting, when you think about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, I mean, there was a great revival going on in, in Jerusalem, and, and uh, people were being saved left and right, and God says to, to Philip, I got a job for you, and it involves leaving this place and going out in the middle of a desert. And I'm going to read it to you, Acts 8, 27 and 30. And he arose and, and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And here's the words I want you to notice. And Philip ran thither to him. Philip ran thither to him. Do you get the picture? 
I mean, here's this man, he's reading the prophet Isaiah, and the Spirit of God says to him, go near, and Philip runs in the desert. And he heard him read the prophet and said, understand this, what thou, re- what thou readest, etc., and you know the rest. Philip ran. Why? Because it's a crucial job. This man getting saved was a crucial job. And bringing the gospel to the lost is something we run to do. We go quickly. Because, and, but you know what can happen when, we, when you run? You can get tired. You can, as a matter of fact, you can get exhausted. And there's a danger of getting exhausted. You know, remember what Churchill said? He, said? he said, our troubles have gone beyond us. In other words, they've overwhelmed us. And you remember in, 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 uh, in, in what Amalek, Moses reminded Israel about Amalek. I'm going to read it to you. Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 18. He reads like this. Moses speaking to the Jewish people. Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way when you were come forth out of Egypt. How he met thee, by the way, and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, when thou wast faint and weary, and he feared not God. There is, when we are faint and weary is the time when the enemy strikes. So it's very, very important for us to understand, when we carry the gospel, how to get strength, how to gain strength. He says this in Isaiah 40, 28, was where he saw it. He says, don't you know? He says, but then he says in verse four, uh, uh, 31, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings with eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know, and he says, he warns in verse thir- the, the, the verse before it, even the youths, even the very young shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. They'll collapse in exhaustion. He says, but... You must learn the principle of renewed strength. You must. Renewed strength. Because what he's talking about here, when he talks about renew the strength, he's talking about an exchange. There's a picture. As a matter of fact, the Septuagint, when they translated into the Greek, they used this term for uh, the eagle that exchanges his feathers, that he refeathers. He refeathers like the molting eagle. So how do you get this? How do you get this? This is where the practical. How do you get this? We get this renewed strength by waiting on the Lord. Well, what does it mean to wait on the Lord? What does it mean? What, what does it take to wait on the Lord? It takes perseverance. Waiting on the Lord is not going to sleep. It takes perseverance. What? When Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen. It says, "Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart." Wait, I say on the Lord. Again, it's another Jewish, Jewish mother here. Wait. Did you hear what I said? I said, wait. He says, wait, I say. How long do we need to wait? We wait on the Lord till we see clearly that there's no demand on our lives that isn't a demand on the life of Christ inside of us. That's the first thing we have to get to, to understand that there's nothing that's demanding to us that's not a demand on the life of the Spirit of Christ inside of us. We wait on the Lord until we see clearly what Paul said in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, or who is pouring his strength into me. Continually pouring his strength into me. How long do we wait? We wait till we come to the conclusion of 2 Corinthians 12.9 that his grace is sufficient for us, and that the power of Christ should rest on us, and we come to the conclusion that when we are weak, then we're strong. That's how long we wait. Now, we wait on the Lord until we come to a point of exchanging prayer. What's exchanging prayer? It's a very, very wonderful picture in the book of beginnings in Genesis. 
And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, you remember it says, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and then it said, He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That's a precious picture. He says that exchanging prayer is when you breathe out the need to God, our need to God, and he breathes into us what we need. That's exchanging prayer. For example, we breathe out to God our confession of sin. And he breathes into us purification through his word. We, we breathe out to God our confession of our weakness. And he breathes into us strength. Where do we find this exchange strength? Where do we get it, though? Where do we do this? It's a very interesting verse, and I want you to turn to it. It's Psalm 96 6. Psalm 96 6. It says here, Psalm 96 6, it says, very, very interesting verse. Very short verse, but it says, Honor and majesty are before him. 96 6, Psalm 96 6. Now get these words strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. You know, that's a precious picture. You know what it's saying? It's saying we get this waiting on the Lord in his sanctuary. That's where we find the strength. We find two things in his sanctuary. Strength that we need, the renewed strength, and we find the beauty of God to worship him. As the prayer was this morning. We find the beauty of the Lord to worship him. But the strength, that's the secret. The secret is right there. It's in the time that we spend alone with God. Alone with God. What does it say about Abraham? I called him alone. I'm not talking about having devotions with your wife or your spouse. I'm not talking about reading the Bible together as a family. It's the alone with God where you enter into the sanctuary of the Lord in your own quiet time. And that's where you find the strength. That's, then comes the mounting up with the eagles. We need strength day by day. We need strength to walk, as the Bible talks about. That's sometimes the most difficult here, is the walk. They show walk and not be weary. And we look for this because what we, what we, what we know from Romans 8.8 8 is that in the flesh we cannot please God. It's, no, it's not possible. In the flesh we cannot please In ourselves we cannot please God. So we have to come to the point where we recognize that as we bring the gospel to the Jewish people, there is a danger of exhausted strength, of, of exhaustion. There is a, there, and, and we need to come to the point where we realize the secret of exchange strength, where we breathe out our weakness and God breathes into us his strength. And where is that done? In the sanctuary. And what do we do in the sanctuary? Wait, waiting on him. This is the call, I believe, that God has for us in light of 9-11. Because, because this is only the beginning of tax. We got caught in the crossfire. America got caught in the crossfire. This is an attack on God's people. And what is our call? Our call is to cry unto her, comfort her, comfort her. With what? With the gospel. The gospel is comforting news, Tom. And today in your message, you spoke about how the Lord Jesus Christ is a light. 
How is he a light to the Gentiles? Well, it's a wonderful term. You know, there's many, many names for God, and we love these names for God. We love to make lists of these names for God. We love to think about the various truths that are brought out about God from each of his names. This is a name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the light to the Gentiles. What that implies and what that shows is that the Gentiles sit in darkness. They're in darkness, and the solution to their darkness is him. And he is the light to the Gentiles. He's the light to the Gentile darkness of mythology. He's the light to the Gentile darkness of Shintoism. He's the light to the Gentile darkness of Hinduism. He's the light to the Gentile darkness of Buddhism. He's the light to the Gentile darkness of atheism and secularism and existentialism and all the other isms, which are nothing more than darkisms. And he is the answer. And God says, I have one answer to all the darknesses that are in the world. And it is him who I am calling a light to the Gentiles. What a wonderful name that is. You also talked about the preserved of Israel. Could you give us a better explanation or a deeper explanation of what is the preserved of Israel? Well, that's another wonderful name also. This time it's for the Jewish people because the Jewish people have been called many, many derogatory names down through their history, which we don't want to repeat or remember. And But God has names for them also. He calls them his beloved. He calls them the apple of his eye. He calls them Jacob. He calls them Israel. He calls them many, many wonderful terms. This is a wonderful term when he calls them the preserved of Israel. Because by this term, what's being emphasized is that God has kept them. There's been the Hitlers, but God has kept them. There's been the Stalins, but God has kept them. There's been the, the Hamas today, but God has kept them. There's the Al-Qaeda, but God has kept them. There's the Iranian uh, Republic and of the National Guard, but God has kept them. God has kept them, and so therefore they're called the preserved of Israel, because when we look at them today, we say there's no human explanation for why this people should be continuing today. One time, there was a man who asked the czar of Russia, what is the explanation that you can give for the existence of God. And he said, that I can answer for you in two words. He said, the Jew, the Jew is the strongest evidence for the existence of God. Why? Because they are preserved by God. And so this term to call them the preserved of Israel is a testimony and a glory to God. God does have incredible keeping and preservative-type powers. Now, would that also be related to when the verse spoke about my salvation to the end of the earth? Yes, because what's so wonderful about that is that it's his commissioning words. It's God the Father commissioning God the Son as he goes into the world, and he says, you will be that thou mayest be. Here's the vision. Here's the sending. Here's the commissioning. When he said that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. You know, that's in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. And people oftentimes say, well, I don't see the name Jesus in the Old Testament. Well, here it is. Because what he's saying here, when he's saying that thou mayest be my salvation to the end of the earth, he's saying that thou mayest be my Yeshua 
to the end of the earth, which is the Hebrew name for Jesus. So what he's saying here is that thou mayest be my Jesus unto the end of the earth. Why did he say my Jesus? Because Jesus was the name that was given to him by the angel. And the angel said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He shall deliver his people. So God says, I'm going to send you as my rescuer, my savior, my deliverer unto the end of the earth. That's going to be you. And he took that he took that title with all of his heart because he loved his father and he obeyed his father. And he said, as he entered the earth, he said, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And what he was saying there is that I have my marching orders from God. I'm going to be his salvation unto the end of the earth. Therefore, I am come to do your will But he said more clearly and fully with this verse, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. It's a wonderful term for the Lord Jesus Christ. Another title, my salvation, God's salvation unto the end of the earth. You know, we love him. There's a hymn that's about all the glorious names of wisdom, love, and power. And it speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we love him. Thank you for joining us today. Next week, Tom Cantor will continue our study from the Bible as our foundation for our friendship with God. Today's message and previous messages are available for free listening and download at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also contact us directly and we'll send you a copy of today's broadcast as well as any other resources. Call us at 1-800-247-3051. Once again, that's 1-800-247-3051. 3051. And we'd like to hear more about what you like about friendship with God. You can also find Israel Restoration Ministries and Tom Cantor on Facebook and receive a daily devotional from Tom Cantor. You can also email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening and join us again next week at the same time.